was not supposed to introduce me because I told her I would cry because <laughs> Mother's Day gets me a little bit emotional, hence tissues just in case I am prepared. But I'm so excited to be here. Um, as Sonia mentioned, it has been about six years. The last time I was scheduled to preach, um, I couldn't because I was so sick from morning sickness and it ended up being my announcement to the church that I was pregnant. But not today, not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> but today I wanted to, um, before I get started, I wanted to take some time to honour Pastor Chris and Mayan, the mum and dad of the house. I want to thank you guys so much for your leadership and even letting me come up here and share as well. And um, church, I don't know if you know how blessed you are to have such genuine leaders leading us um, for the kingdom. Um, they live out what they preach. They live out building genuine faith at home. And it's so awesome to be able to be under their leadership. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, let's give them a clap. Um, while I'm up here, Happy Mother's Day, Mum. My mum is Yolanda. Some of you don't know that, which has surprised me, but Yolanda is my mother. I'm pretty sure my mum-in-law is somewhere here also, so happy Mother's Day. <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Mum. And I did want to give a shout-out to my spiritual mummy, Sonia, um, because she did feed me and let me take naps in her house. <laughs> and she'd also ask me if I'd brought lunch to work, and if, she, if I didn't, she'd organized for me to have some lunch but thanks mummy um, but today we are continuing continuing along this sorry I don't like that picture so I'm just gonna change that slide um, but we are continuing along the journey of um, our faith series um, and we've been talking about faith in the real world um, Pastor Chris kicked us off with Priscilla and Aquila and then Pastor Quinton shared on Timothy um, and then last week, we had the privilege of hearing from Pastor Wisey as he shared his own faith journey. And today, I will be sharing on Mary, mother of Jesus. Very fitting since it's Mother's Day. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, when I think about, when I thought about Mary previously, I would just think, cool, she is the mother of Jesus. And I didn't really think that much further into it. Um, but honestly, over the last, uh, I think it was the last month, I've been reading about Mary and her journey and her faith journey. And it's really encouraged me and challenged me um, as I walk my road um, to see her, her humility and her willingness to submit to the will of God at all costs. And I'm hoping that today, that as we delve into her journey, that it would challenge you too. But let us pray. Sorry if I sound a little bit out of breath. I, I attribute that to my lack of fitness. But I will try my hardest to also control my brain. But let's pray. God, we want to thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you are a good God. Um, thank you that in every season you are good. And we want to give you all the glory and honor and praise today. Lord, we thank you, God, for this word that you've put on my heart. And we pray that for every single person in um, listening today, uh, Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts and open our ears and to allow your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do today, God. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So many of you know me as Jordan's wife, which is funny because when he first came to FGA, he was my boyfriend. But now I am Jordan's wife and it's a joy. <laughs> but when we used to go on dates, <laughs> pre-kids, 
actually pre-marriage, we used to go on heaps of dates because we wanted to spend as much time together as you do. We wanted to get to know each other. And part of our dates, we'd go on long drives. And we'd, we'd go to see, we'd go hiking, we'd go see the waterfalls, we'd go, where else would we go? I think that, yeah, we would just go for <laughs> long drives. We went to Geelong once for a day trip because it's Geelong. Um, but... <laughs> I loved the quality time that we had in the car together. We could talk, we could listen to random music, and he couldn't get away. Like, he had to sit in the car for the whole time. There was nowhere for him to go. But we are no stranger to the long drive. Recently, uh, we went on a very, very, very long drive, and I will show you where we drove. So we started here in Melbourne, in Knoxfield, because we had to make a trip down to Tam up, down, up to Tamworth, for Janine and Josh's wedding, which is um, Jordan's sister. And we thought, why, why pay so much money to fly when we can drive? <sighs> but we drove from Knoxfield to Wagga Wagga. Shout out to Mitch and Rach. Thank you for housing us while we were there overnight. And then from Wagga Wagga, we made our way to Tamworth. And then after the wedding, we went from Tamworth, swung by Newcastle for 45 minutes for a swim. And then... <laughs> Started our trip back to Sydney and then back to Knoxfield. So that, we were, we, we didn't, it wasn't a one day trip, but we had a total of about 28 hours of driving just to get from point to point. And it was long. Um, I have two boys who are, one who's very inquisitive and likes to ask, Mummy, how, how many more minutes? And he asks that every two minutes. But that's okay. <laughs> but what we found um, on this journey is that sometimes the roads we were on, they'd be quite bumpy and I was very grateful that my brother lent us his Land Cruiser because our Corolla would not have made it. But we, <laughs> the roads were bumpy and sometimes there were long roads ahead where it was like nothingness. And you're just like, are we heading in the right direction? But Google Maps says we are, so let's just keep going. And then there were times when we were in Sydney where... We actually took a lot of unexpected turns because Sydney roads are next level. Like, oh, the signs don't match what Google Maps say. And so we were taking a lot of unexpected turns on their motorways. Uh, it's fine. But it's bringing me back some memories. But it was an interesting journey. It didn't stay the same the whole way. And it got me thinking... I was reminded of that journey for today because it got me thinking, how do we respond when life throws us unexpected turns and changes? And how do we respond when all of a sudden we're stuck in traffic or we, we don't know what to do? We don't know which direction to go in. So what do we do? And so I wanted to look at how Mary and what she did when her life took these turns. Um, because as much as we love the... Google Maps showing us that it's all blue route, there's all, all clear road ahead. That's not necessarily the case in everyday life. Um, so let's look at how Mary um, handled it. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, we get to know Mary. Luke has the most extensive... Um, uh, she, it has the most extensive... Um, story of Mary, and he, shows, he tells us a lot about her life. And so we're going to spend a lot of time in Luke today. But Mary was a pretty ordinary kind of girl. 
She came from an ordinary town called Nazareth and it, it wasn't really anything special. Um, in fact, it was so ordinary that um, in John 1.46, when Nathaniel hears that the saviour of the world is coming from Nazareth, his response is like, Nazareth, what good comes from there? And so we know that place is not, it's not great. It's not remarkable in any way. Um, but Mary, our ordinary girl from an ordinary town, she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And now betrothal was uh, the first part in a two-part marriage for the, in the Jewish tradition. It was like engagement, but it was legally binding. And so if ever they were to break the betrothal, they'd have to file for a divorce, organise for a divorce. Um, but Mary was just living, at this stage in her life, she was living the same life that most of the girls her age would be living. So it was nothing special. But I... It made me think about the time when I was engaged to Jordan as well. And it was a very exciting time. I was so excited to think about the future. I was so excited about the wedding most of the time because wedding planning is a little bit stressful sometimes. Um, but I was so excited that I would get to have a husband, that I would get to, that we would be able to build a home together. I was excited to think about the kids that we would have in the future. I was excited to dream about what could be. And I imagine that that's what Mary was feeling at the time, you know, excited to marry Joseph, excited to build a family, build a home. And so I imagine that her outlook on her Google map seemed pretty clear. Blue, blue roots ahead. But in Luke chapter 1, Mary finds herself with an, her first unexpected turn in her journey. In verse 26, it says, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears and tells Mary that she is favoured and chosen, which is nice, um, but that she would conceive and give birth to a son, and that you were to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And that sounds all good and all, but Mary had a reasonable response and a reasonable question. She asked, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And so for Mary to be with child before the completion of marriage would mean that she would face ridicule, she'd be accused of adultery, um, which at the time the punishment was um, stoning. And people would think she was crazy uh, to say that she was a pregnant virgin. And to be honest, people still think she's crazy now, like today. People still think that we are crazy to believe that she was a pregnant virgin. Yet in spite of all this, um, in spite of... Uh, her response to God's root change is in Luke 1.38. It says, she responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And when she says that she's the servant, she's saying, God, I am utterly dependent on you. That you are my master at all costs. It doesn't matter what I want, you are my master. And we see her humility in full display from the beginning. She laid aside her own plans and agendas to say yes to God. So how do we respond when we take an unexpected turn? You know, it's not unusual for us to try and fix the problem and try and get back on track. You know, and that's exactly what her husband-to-be, Joseph, did. In Matthew 1.19, it says... Joseph was, because Joseph was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he came up with a solution. He tried to fix it and I thought this was hilarious because <laughs> I was telling Jordan after I read this, 
It must be a guy thing, because even, even all those years ago, when Mary told her, told him what she was going through, he immediately said, I'm going to come up with a plan and I will fix your solution. But Mary didn't want that. But, and she just needed some support. But that's another story for another day. But to be fair, Joseph honestly thought he was doing the best thing for both of them. And God had, God had to reveal to him that he had another plan, that he had his own plan. And so Joseph had a choice. He could keep going and keep trying to come up with solutions, or he could lay it all down and say, I'm going to trust in God's plan. And as we read on, we see that both Mary and Joseph continued to abandon their own plans and their desires and submitted to following the route that God was taking them on. So church, I want to ask you, have you expected an unexpected turn on your route? You know, maybe you are unexpectedly laid off from your job. Maybe you didn't get the job in the first place. Um, maybe you didn't get to get chosen to be school captain. Maybe you didn't get into the course you applied for. Or maybe your family was hit with an illness. So it makes me ask the question, how do we remain faithful when things take an unexpected turn? And if we look at Mary, she worshipped. Mary worshipped. She gave glory to God. She sang a song of praise. You know, even after Mary gave birth, she showed up to the temple. She continued to be faithful in honouring God and the traditions and the laws of Moses. She showed up to offer her sacrifice. She showed up to dedicate Jesus. She showed up and acknowledged that God is God and he will still be God in her life. And this in itself was an act of worship. You know, even though life had taken this unexpected turn and people may have had opinions about her showing up to, church, uh, to the temple again, she, it didn't matter. She wanted to offer up her worship and submit to his will. In Psalm 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And I want to encourage you, church, that let us be like that. Let us bless the Lord at all times, in the good, in the bad, in the unexpected, in the boring. Let us bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise always be on our lips. You know, before Jordan and I got married, we took a little bit of an unexpected turn. We were engaged, and I remember Jordan calling me on his lunch break, because we used to have lunch break dates on the phone. And he was like, oh, babe, um, I think God's calling me into ministry. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, ah, I get the dream guy and he's going to be serving in the ministry with me. I'm like, and then I started thinking like, I wonder how's that going to work um, if he's with work and all, but ah, it doesn't matter, we'll make it work. And I was so excited until he said, I think God wants me to quit my job, like now. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I'm not usually a very practical person, but in this time I went and I was thinking, you know, we, we just got engaged, we're planning for a wedding, and we're trying to plan for the life after, and you want to quit your job, which, sure, but I also, I, I was the youth pastor at the time, and the sole income was my youth pastor's salary, not sure how that's going to work, but you know what, sure, if God tells you this, sure, <laughs> but to be honest, I was not sure, I <laughs> was not sure at all, and I wrestled with this because I was like, hmm, what's my mom going to say? And I remember thinking, let's not tell mom yet. And somehow she found out because the grapevine of FGA is like next level. But she found out. But 
we, I, I honestly, I kept telling John, I'm like, oh, yay, good, good on you. And it wasn't until, <laughs> actually wasn't until our wedding day that I was fully able to submit to God because during our wedding, we had um, worship and one of the songs we sang was Through It All. And the lyrics of this chorus ended up becoming my heart cry for this unexpected turn and for the future unexpected turns. It says, I'll sing to you, Lord, a hymn of love for your faithfulness to me. I'm carried in everlasting arms and you'll never let me go through it all. He was never going to let go of us. And I remember as we sang that song, I felt sorry for Chris because both Jordan and I were like sobbing messes at the front on the altar. My veil was like sticking to my face. And, uh, but we poured our hearts out and that became my, my heart cry and my declaration that, you know, I'll sing to you, Lord, a hymn of love for your faithfulness to me. And I'm going to trust that I'm carried in everlasting arms and that he would never let me go through it all. And, you know, when we worship church, it's not about us and it's not about how good it makes us feel. Um, I used to think that if I wasn't crying in worship, God was not there. And that was totally wrong because worship is not about us. You know, when we worship, we stop looking at our circumstances, whether good or bad, and we put God back in his rightful place. When we worship, we are remembering who God is, who he was, and who he will be. You know, Mary sang a song of praise, and she remembered who God was and who he is. And I want to encourage you, church, to worship in these unexpected seasons. Remember who God is. Worship. Um, so as Mary continued on this new route, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Um, they would continue to face opposition. The reality was, and the reality is today, is that the enemy was trying to thwart God's plan, and he was trying to do it at all costs. The road ahead for them was bumpy, and at times it was forcing them to slow down. So how do we stay faithful when the road is bumpy ahead? How many of you guys have been on those giant water slides, the ones that are like, I was trying to be a tunnel. Like a, those tunnels, <laughs> the tunnel water slides, and I've got a picture. This is the one of, at Funfields, and it's like a giant slide, and then the guy, like you all, you have to lug the inflatable up the stairs, and then you get on it, and then the guy like kicks you off it. And the most important thing is that you hold on. Like you got to hold on to those handles for dear life. Like you need to hold on because when you enter those tunnels, if you're not holding on, I don't know what, I don't, if you're not holding to the handles they give you, I don't know what you're holding on to. You can try holding on to your friend, but they're probably useless. <laughs> and you can try holding on to the actual thing or try holding on to the walls or try and stop yourself, but that's not going to help you. You need to hold on because you don't know where this tunnel is going to go. You don't know when it's going to open up. You don't know when the light is coming. But all you know is that you need to hold on. And so... When I thought about this, I don't generally like these rides because of The Simpsons and when Homer got stuck in one of the tunnels, I was scared that that was going to happen to me. But I noticed that I, how important it is to hold on. You know, in Matthew 2, we read about King Herod and his plan. He wanted to kill baby Jesus. 
And I still, it still boggles my mind that a grown man would, yeah. But I can only imagine the fear and the concern that when it, that came to Joseph and Mary when, when they were trying to protect their child, trying to protect their baby. And in the midst of the fear and the uncertainty, God spoke to Joseph. God told Joseph in a dream to flee, and Joseph was immediately obedient. Even when King Herod died, they were still uncertain about going back because King Herod's son was now king. And so they heard from God again. And God spoke to them through it because God spoke to Joseph in a dream and he told them to, to flee. Sorry. And so what I love about this part is that Joseph and Mary's response to the word of God was, I heard it and I'm going to obey. And even in those high stress and high emotional times, it can be hard to remember what you're supposed to hold on to. Mary and Joseph clung on to the word of God and obeyed even in the chaos and uncertainty. They held on to the truth of the word of God. And I brought my Bible up just in case I needed to, but the word of God is so powerful and so, like, it's not just a book we read on a Sunday. And I'm so grateful that we are doing the Bible reading plan because it's encouraging our church to even just get into the habit of opening our Bibles. And as we do that, we open the Bible, we get to read the Bible. And when we're reading the Bible, we're reading the word of God. And when we read the Word of God, we get to know God. And so I want to encourage you, you know, even though you might feel like you're so far behind on the Bible reading plan, and even on the U version 1 high schoolers, I want to encourage you, just, just catch up. Just do it. You've got time. Just don't watch an episode of whatever K-drama you're watching. Just catch up. You can do it. Because the Word of God is so important. You know, we need to understand that, you know, when we said yes to the gift of salvation from God, and when we said yes to following Jesus, it didn't mean that we were... It was one and done, like, whoo, Jesus, and then that's it. We needed to continually humble ourselves and submit to his will. And how do we get to know his will? We get to know his word. And so sometimes when we're on this route where we've said yes to Jesus, it's not the most popular route because sometimes when you say yes to Jesus, it means you have to say no to some other things. And that might come at a cost. You know, it might mean that you have to stop watching some shows that you know is not God-honoring. You might need to stop going to those parties. You might need to stop hanging out with some pe certain people. But God is asking, and if you truly said yes to him being Lord over your life, and we say yes to submitting to his will, the response needs to be, let's obey. And it might mean that the road ahead is bumpy, um, but when that road gets bumpy, what are you holding on to? Are you holding on to yourself? Are you holding on to the fear, the anxiety? Are you holding on to what other people are saying about you? Or are you holding on to the word of God? You know, the word tells us heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. As this route gets bumpier, are you going to allow the outside voices to tear you down? Or are you going to hold on to the truth of God's word? You know, because when I tell you the road gets bumpy and the enemy is trying to thwart your plan, I'm not... I want, when that happens, I want to be able to hold on to the word of God. I want to hold on to the truth. I want to hold on to the truth in Romans 8 that he is for us and not against us. I want to hold on to the truth in Isaiah 43 that even as the rivers come, I will not be overwhelmed. I want to hold on to the truth in John 16 that even though we will have trouble in this world, I can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. 
I want to stand on the truth of God's word. So church, what are you holding on to when the roads get bumpy? Because we can't continue on the route that God's calling us to in our own strength. We're not supposed to. We need God and we need to know God and we need to know his word. Hold on to that truth for dear life. Hold on to it like it's a matter of life and death, like Mary and Joseph did. Hold on to the word of God. You know, we get to read more about Mary. Um, and so as we go on, we, we encounter another kind of slowing down of their journey. Um, it's that time of year again where they would return, for, return to the temple for the festival of Passover. And this particular year, Jesus was 12 years old. Do we have any 12-year-olds in the building today? Hello. <laughs> Jesus was about your age when, when he got lost at the temple. He didn't get lost. Mary lost Jesus. And they didn't realize because when they had left, they were traveling with heaps of relatives. They were traveling with their friends too. So they thought... The other, that Jesus was probably somewhere there. And I honestly, I totally understand. Honest mistake. Because I know, I used to read it pre-kids. I used to read it and think, oh, how could Mary not know? Like, how could she not know Jesus was not with her? But I'll tell you a story. Because I have two sons, Judah and Noah. They, Judah took this selfie himself. <laughs> But I have two sons, you don't know, and they basically have grown up here at FGA. They're growing up here at FGA. Uh, they have so many aunties and uncles who are sitting here as well who love them dearly, and I appreciate you all. And they, get, they love to play with their aunties and uncles um, before and after service. But there was one Sunday, I remember, I lost track of who was watching him. And I remember I was, like, talking to someone, and I was like, oh, I haven't heard Judas scream in a while. And so... <laughs> I went to check in Guest Central. I was like, Judah? No. Okay. I'm just walking. Keep smiling. Ask someone, oh, have you seen Judah? And they're like, ah, oh, I think he's in the sanctuary. So I'll make my way into the sanctuary, open the doors. Judah? No? Cool. Cool. Go out back into the lobby. And I remember seeing my mum and dad. I'm like, oh, mum, dad, you seen Judah? And they're like, oh, oh, he's not with you? I'm like, no, I thought he was with you. But that's okay. And keep walking. And I notice... My, my walk gets a little swifter and running, not, not yet running yet, walking, power walking past the parents' room, stick my head in, Judah? No, no Judah. Cool. <laughs> so we're, by this time I am running through the classrooms going, Judah, 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 no Judah. Cool. So I'm running down the stairs, I'm running down these stairs. <laughs> and by the time I hit the ground floor, Judah, no Judah. Cool, cool. I am sprinting up those stairs. I'm talking like three steps at a time kind of pace. I'm up there. I'm no longer this calm, cool, collected mom. I am about to shout this church down to find my son. And then before I turn into that mom, I hear those beautiful words. Ruth, Judah's here. And I look and I see and he's like, mommy, as if nothing was going on. But to tell you the feeling of relief I felt after finding him, that was maybe like two or three minutes of searching for Judah. So I can only imagine the stress and the fear and the anxiety that Mary was feeling when she couldn't find him for three days. She lost sight of Jesus. And it made me want to ask, how do we stay faithful when we've lost sight of Jesus? 
You know, it doesn't really delve into what happened in those three days and what she was experiencing. All we know is that as soon as she realized that she didn't know, that she was no longer with Jesus, she began to look for him. And she was actively looking for three days until she found herself back at the temple court where she finally found him. And when she found him, it didn't matter who was around. It didn't matter that people were watching. It didn't matter. She, t- she spoke honestly and openly about how she was feeling. She didn't shy away from expressing herself to him. And she asked him, why have you treated us like this? We have been anxiously looking for you. Reasonable response. I feel like she was way too calm. But that was her response to Jesus. And... Jesus' response makes me chuckle every time I read it because he, he says, why were you looking for me? <sighs> Come on, Jesus. But <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if Jesus responded that way because that's how he would respond to us looking for him today. That when we are in our search for Jesus, he'll go, why were you looking for me? Because he's been here all along. He's never left our side. He's never, he, he tells us throughout scripture that he is with us. He says, I am with you. I am with you. He tells us that he'd never left us. And so when we realize that we've lost sight of Jesus, let's be like Mary. Let's stop what we're doing and let's go look for him. Take the time, the space, however long it takes. Go look until you find him. And, you know, today might be the start of your search. Today might be the day you realized, hmm, I think I've lost Jesus and I've lost sight of him. And I want to encourage you that if that's you today, let's start looking. Because I want to assure you that this is not a pointless search because his word tells us in Proverbs 8, those who diligently seek me will find me. In Luke 11:9, it says, in the Amplified Translation, it says, Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So church, how do we stay faithful when we lose sight of Jesus? Let's go look for Jesus. I'm going to, am I going to wrap up soon? I am going to, nope, I'm not going to wrap up soon. Yes, I am. I'm going to invite the band to get ready to come up. Because I've got one more point I wanted to share with you um, before we open up the altar for some prayer. Um, But I wanted to ask you, how do we stay faithful when it feels like we're stuck? Sometimes you hit those unexpected traffic. I don't know. My brother lives in, actually, my mum just moved to Ainsbury, which is um, about an hour and 20 minutes away. Um, It's like Caroline Springs, but you just keep going. And... (laughs) We were coming home from their house one day and the route was supposed to be normal but then we were hit with this sea of red brake lights and we were like, what is going on? Why? And then we saw signs that the tunnel was closed and we were like, ah. (laughs) And we were stuck. We were like in the right lane. So how do we... It was a stressful experience. But it got me thinking, what do we do when we stay stuck? When we are stuck and we don't know how long we're going to be sitting there, we don't know how long we're going to be waiting, we don't know how, if there's another way out, what do we do when we feel like we're stuck? Because as Jesus grew older and his ministry began to flourish, you know, he'd perform miracle after miracle, he'd feed the thousands, he'd walk on water, he'd heal the sick, he'd bring the good news. 
But as he did, the angrier people got. Um, and there would be multiple accusations against Jesus and that he was out of his mind or that he was a fraud. But in the midst of that, Jesus continued to do the work that he was called to do. And ultimately, ultimately it would lead him to the cross to give the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. You know, I wonder what Mary's thoughts were. Um, to know from the beginning that the saviour of the world, the one that they'd been waiting for, was here with her, um, that she'd be able to see him grow up and see him flourish and do all these amazing things. Yet she found herself here watching as he hung there on the cross, watching him get crucified, feeling like a sword was piercing her own soul, which was prophesied. I can't begin to imagine the pain and suffering to be right there and watch on as Jesus breathed his last breath. Whenever I think about it, it truly grieves my soul. It's like the route that Mary was on was all of a sudden turned red, complete standstill. Was the route supposed to lead us this way? How, was this supposed to happen? How long would she need to stay here in this pain? How long would she need to... How long? Is there an out? But as we reflect on Mary's faith journey so far, to see her faith in every unexpected twist and turn, to see her faith through every bumpy road and her faith even when she lost sight of Jesus, her worship, her heart for the Word of God, her obedience and her desire to find Jesus was a picture of her leaning not on her own understanding and trusting in the Lord. Mary had shown humility from the beginning. And when she said yes to God's call and said, I am your servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. And she laid aside her own desires and said yes to God taking, to Jesus taking the wheel, no matter what the road looked like. I wanted to share quickly about a time where I felt like I had taken many unexpected turns and when I felt like I was feeling every bumpy part of the road possible and I felt like I'd lost sight Jesus in the midst of it and to be honest, I was terrified because I didn't know when it was going to end. Last year, Jida got sick and you know, when kids go to daycare and kinder, you kind of... It's kind of a given that that's going to happen. But it was one of those times where I was looking at him and something wasn't quite right. And so he started showing all these random symptoms and, of course, I started Googling and that stressed me out a little bit more. But we brought him to the doctors and they were like, it's fine. And then uh, it didn't sit well. And I remember praying and going, God, if this is something more sinister, you need to open the door and, like, let, let's go, let's handle this. And so the next day, we squeezed into another appointment with our actual GP, and she listened, and she was like, yeah, okay, you guys should go to ED. We want to make sure that you guys can get tested, uh, get him tested and see if he has Kawasaki disease. And with Kawasaki disease, there's like a 10-day period where you need to make sure that they can get treatment. And so we took him, and we were waiting in ED for like eight hours until he could finally get the test done. And I was like, Lord... Please don't let me be right about thinking it was Kawasaki, please. But lo and behold, we were right. And they diagnosed him with acute Kawasaki disease, and so they began treatment. And that was fine. It was just exhausting. Like, I felt like we should have caught this a little bit sooner. But, you know, I was trying to comfort myself. I'm like, you know, it's fine, it's fine. 
we are here now, he's getting treated. And I was thinking about Noah back at home, but I was like, you know, it's fine, it's fine. It's only, we'll, we'll be home soon and it'll be fine. And so we got discharged and we got back home and it was not all fine. <laughs> no, Judah started having headaches. And because he was given aspirin, I was like, oh, is it the aspirin? I was like, ah, oh, too risky to not. So we called the hospital and they were like, come in again. And so we came back in and we were waiting in ED for another eight hours because um, they wanted to make sure it wasn't something else. And I was tired. Like, tired is an understatement. It's an understatement. I'd never felt such exhaustion in my life, but we just had to keep going. And so we went through that. And Judah was okay, he started his recovery, and then Noah started showing some symptoms. And I was like, God, you have got to be kidding me. Like, come on. But it wasn't enough symptoms to get him to think it was Kawasaki, so we were like, okay. The doctor was like, it's fine, just treat it. It might just be a viral thing. And I was like, okay. And I had one kid at home, and then Judah was back at kinder. But this time, every time Judah went to kinder, it was like next level clingy. Like you, you've seen my kids be clingy here with me before, but this was like, I would, as soon as he saw that we were about to drop him off, he would scream like at the top of his lungs and I didn't know what to do. I felt so bad because he'd gone through this thing, but I was like, no, you need to go so I can keep going back to work. Like, let's just go, let's go. And I remember crying every time after I dropped him off in the car and I'm like, what am I doing? And I felt like such a bad mom. And, but after Noah got better, Jordan got sick. And I was like, the audacity. Like, are you actually sick? But he was actually sick. And so I was, I was fuming. I was angry and I didn't know, I was angry. At first I was angry at Jordan until I realized he was actually sick. And I was like, okay, I'm not angry at you anymore, sorry. I'm angry. And then I was just angry. And then I was angry at myself because I'm like, why can't I make him better? Like, why is the Panadol and the Sambucol and why is it not working? Armaforce, go. It didn't work. And I was just getting so frustrated. And it was just like one thing was happening after another. And I was like, come on, God. Like, can a girl catch a break? But no, apparently not. Because even during this season, um, our family was going through a rough season, which Jordan shared about the last time he preached. And so watching Jordan stress out about that and try and figure that out and handle that, I was like, how can I support you? How can I help? What can I do? And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. And that, I'm like, how can I be a good wife if I don't know what you want me to do? And so that added on. And on top of that, we were having some trouble um, within our ministry and that was a real struggle because fungus is has my heart it was my first baby fungus our youth group by the way fungus our youth group was my first baby and when things happen in fungus it really hits home and things were happening and I was I was so I, I had nothing left to give fungus I had nothing left to give I was on empty and I was I was exhausted I felt like I was failing as a mum Oh, I felt like I was failing as a wife. No! <laughs> Sorry. I felt like I was failing as the carer of our family. I felt like I was failing as a youth pastor, as a leader. I felt like I was dropping all the balls that were supposed to be in the air. And I felt like I was failing as a child of God because I was like, God, where are you? Surely you see me in this. Surely you can do something. I know you can. I know you've done it in the past. Why aren't you doing anything? And I was like, Fine, I'll fix it myself. 
I felt like I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders. I felt like it was my responsibility to put us back on track. But in doing that, I was so tired. I wanted to give up. And uh, I was like, God, you know what? Fine, if you're not going to do anything about this, I want out. I'm done. I didn't want to fight anymore. And I probably hit one of the lowest times of my life. I didn't know what God was doing in all of it. And it frustrated me to no end because I was like, where is the end of this? I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But the reality was that even though I thought God wasn't doing anything to fix this, I wasn't actually letting him. I was trying to be God and trying to do the things that only God can do. And it was a humbling experience. When I tell you motherhood is a humbling experience, it is next level. But I had to humble myself before the Lord. I had to lay down my pride and let go of control. That was really... I had to let go of control and put God back on the throne. I had to allow Him to get back in the driver's seat and trust that He was in control at every turn, hold on to Him at every bumpy road and trust that even though we were going through a red zone, it was going to be fine because it didn't matter how long we were going to be there because God was in control. You know, I admire um, Mary's humble posture from the beginning. And from every part of her life that we've looked at, we can see that she trusted in the Lord. You know, we don't really know what happened to Mary after watching Jesus die on that cross, except for one more small mention in Acts. But church, you know what we do know? We know what happened on that cross. We know that Jesus showed the ultimate display of humility as he was obedient to remain on God's root. We know that even as Jesus hung there on their cross, it wasn't going to be for forever. We know that we wouldn't grieve forever and hope was not lost because three days later, Jesus rose again. Jesus defeated death. He conquered the grave so that we could have life with him, in him and through him. Because of this, because of what Jesus did, we know that there's hope even when it hurts. Because of what Jesus did, we can find him and be in his presence wherever we are. Because of what Jesus did, we can trust in his word today. And because of what Jesus did, we will worship him. God was faithful to Mary back then. He is faithful to you and me today. And he will be faithful forever, no matter what the road ahead looks like. But first church, we need to humble ourselves. We need to realize that on this route, we can't do it on our own. And we weren't supposed to. Even in our worship, in our pursuit of truth, in our search of God, we need to humble ourselves and trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. Let's let God take the driver's seat and respond in humility as He goes before us, walks or drives with us through every unexpected turn, as He holds on to us in every bumpy road and that, and that He is with us through every painful standstill church are we willing to lay aside our control and humble ourselves before the Lord I want to invite everyone to stand we're going to sing um, promises again Um, but I want to invite you even in the lobby um, I want to invite you also to stand and maybe we can open up the doors because I want to open up the altar I'm going to invite the ministry team up to pray with you because 
We're going to worship, and as we worship, I want to encourage you to remember who God is and remember His faithfulness. But I wanted to invite people to come up to the front and to lay down control before the Lord. I want to pray for you who may be going through some unexpected turns and unexpected circumstances. I want to pray for those who may be riding a bumpy road right now and you're facing, you're facing fear and anxiety and stress and the uncertainty. I want to pray for those of you who are hurting and who might have lost hope. And I want to pray for you who are searching. I want to pray that today you find Him, find Jesus. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. So if that's any of you, and even out there in the lobby, if that's any of you, I want to invite you to come to the front.